So, run this by me one more time. Okay, so, Tony Todd is basically Candyman, right? Not really, but okay. So, I think if we take this mirror and say Tony five times, we can get him here for an interview. Okay, whatever. Are you ready? Tony. 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 Hey, what's up, guys? Ah, oh, fuck! We should have said Todd. We should have said Todd. Jesus. <sighs> yep, that's on us. Welcome back to Radio Fear Macabre. This is our actual episode one. Before we were just reviewing some new movies that came out around the time. Getting ready for this. I'm Brandon. With me is, as usual, Justin. Hello. And who, who's that over there? Who's that, who's that little guy? Oh, don't mind him, but I'm Tony. I can help out as much as anyone needs, man. I'm here. <laughs> That's I'm right. We, we, got a, we got Tony with us, our third host of the show. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. <laughs> we like the things you do. So, for this episode, we're just going to kind of do something we didn't get to do before in our reviews. Uh, we're going to take a moment to let you guys out there listening to us get to know us a little better as your hosts for Radio Fear Macabre. And, you know, give you a little bit more information about the show itself. This is a podcast I started because I like scary shit. We like scary shit. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> and uh, we want to talk about it. Yeah, we got a lot to say about the spookies. Let's get to know our hosts here a little better. Starting with you, Justin. Here's the hatchet of storytelling. My first exposure to the horror genre, well, you can say it's a horror movie or not, but I remember uh, when I was just a little, little, little tiny child, Mom took me and my older brother to the theater to watch this movie called Jurassic Park. Oh, that's my too. <laughs> hey. So and uh, horror buddies. Yes. I didn't, Wait, know, I didn't expect this. I, yes. I didn't expect this. Yes. So. That's my story too. <laughs> yes. But our mom took us there, and yeah, we're just chilling. Everything movie's great. Then all of a sudden, there's the scene in Jurassic Park. The where, kitchen. Where no, where we hear the. Boom. Oh, the T-Rex! Thump! Boy, my head being right all the time. And then when my <laughs> little, like, I, I had to be like at least like four or five at the theater seeing this shit, and 
when I saw that T-Rex, I literally pissed and shat myself, and I cried like a little bitch. But hell, I was only five, ladies and gentlemen. Five. Five or four. But maybe three. Fuck you. But By the time I was five, I was already learning to shave. That is my first experience. As I got older, I loved Jurassic Park. Great, great series of movies. Great movie, period. But that was my introduction, basically, in the horror genre. I, I, I thought I was going to be the only one to bring up Jurassic Park today, but I'm kind of, like, super happy I'm not. <laughs> T-Rex was a scary motherfucker, man. What got me wasn't the T-Rex, but I'll go into that on my story. So that was your first exposure to yes, horror was yes. Jurassic Park. Like, we literally, I was crying so bad, my mom literally had to take me, and we had to leave <laughs> the fucking theater, leave the, the screening room, Yeah, and she had to calm me down. Hell yeah. That's how bad it was. But yeah, yeah, that's my first exposure to horror. What about you, Tony? My first exposure was was kind of funny because, you know, back in the day, family got a PlayStation 1. My dad got Resident Evil 2. And it was very, very clearly put out. Us kids were not allowed to play it. Spooky games and all that, you know. One day my dad went to work, as you do. Mom was upstairs sleeping. It was my time to shine. I went downstairs check to make sure that Resident Evil 2 was in the PlayStation. It was. Turned that bad boy on. Turned on the TV and it was full blast. So I, so I turned it down as fast as I could, which is not very fast. <laughs> on those old TVs. Because <laughs> I had to click the button every time. And I, I watched the cutscene for the opening. You, you know, they're at the diner and all that fun shit. Truckers and whatnot. Yeah. Zombies pouring through the windows. What's up with that guy? That was a clean hit. Don't shoot! Get down! <gasps> we can't stay out here. Head to the police station. It'll be a lot safer. I was not prepared. Even though I had already seen it, it was just a whole different vibe without anyone around, and it was just me playing this. I was like five also. Yeah, and you know, back then, I couldn't really get my head around the tank controls of the game. So, you know, I, I got pretty good at running around the cop car and weaving through all the zombies until I would get to the gun store and got to see that in all its late 90s graphical glory situation. Could never get past it. Never even got to the Raccoon City Police Department. Never did. Not and, out and of then, fear? I, I mean, that had a lot to do with it, but more to do with how difficult the game was for oh. young Tony. So ultimately, like, do you have nightmares from it? No, uh, shortly after that, I had seen The Mummy, and that gave me nightmares like fucking crazy. Not like the whole movie, just that one scene where Dipshit puts his hand in that wall. Oh, comes yeah. out ancient yeah, and skeletal. Yeah. yeah, that fucked me up. That fucked me up real good. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That little one little thing when we're when we're kids, that one scene you just hold the fuck onto. I still think that seems great, even though it's like super lazy and not hard. Yeah. I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the the short of it. Uh but uh how about how about you our grand host, Brandon? 
Well, as you'll see, Justin's first exposure to horror was a movie. Tony's first exposure to horror was a game. And mine's gonna be not just a movie and a game, but that same movie and that same game. So... (laughs) (laughs) When I was a kid, I was really big into dinosaurs, and I wanted to see Jurassic Park really bad. But my parents would not let me watch Jurassic Park, and they never told me why. And me just being, you know, the dinosaur kid I was, I'm like, oh, I want to watch this movie about these dinosaurs. It's going to be cool as fuck. So one day, while I was at my grandparents' house, I saw they had Jurassic Park on VHS. And not telling them what my parents said about Jurassic Park, I asked them if I could watch it. And they said, yeah. So I finally got to watch Jurassic Park. Then I saw why they didn't want me to watch Jurassic Park. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was scared of everything. <laughs> I was I was a little I was a little baby scaredy cat. The scene in the kitchen where the kids are being hunted by the raptors terrified me so bad that when I went to sleep at night in my room for the next like three years. Check your closet for raptors. Uh, I I psyched myself out that there was raptors in my room so bad when I hid under the covers I could feel them breathing on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> that movie fucked me up so bad. But you know what? What? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fucking do it again. <laughs> I'll do it again in a heartbeat. But hot <laughs> one of the other biggest things that happened around the same time that exposed me to horror was going over to my uncle's house. And he was playing. I had an N64. They had a PlayStation 1. And he was playing Resident Evil 3 on the PlayStation 1, and there was a scene where the big monster in that game, Nemesis, there was a cutscene of it like forming itself back together or something, and that gave me nightmares for weeks after that too, and I was absolutely terrified of of that game, of the Nemesis, yeah, terrified me. So that was my first exposure, but at the same time, I'm also... 100% a product of entry-level kids horror as well. My favorite thing growing up was Scooby-Doo, Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Courage the Cowardly Dog, all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm absolutely a product of that horror shows and stuff like that aimed towards children. Now that you have to actually think about it, during our childhood, so many damn good shows. For, for horror for yes. kids oh, yeah. yeah yeah I was I was obsessed with Goosebumps and Scooby-Doo as a kid yeah as a kid I basically collected pretty much all the Goosebumps books oh yeah me too watched the show favorite Goosebumps book Curse of the Mummy or was it Night of the Living Dummy Night of the Living Dummy Night of the Living Dummy I really like Night of the Living Dummy I think the mask one was my favorite yeah yeah I don't recall any episodes of Goosebumps. Any of the books? Did you read the books? I did. I don't remember any of them. Oh. There's also one where it was one of those choose-your-own-adventure books. Yes. And it was one about a jelly that changes your size or something like that. Yeah, I cheated like a motherfucker on those books. Like, as soon as I would get to the, uh, if you want to go here, turn to this page. And as soon as I about saw what was going to happen, I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Went right back read to it again. Two over. <laughs> Safe scum. Dialogue. As far as books go, man, like, uh, I don't read often, but uh, Cirque de Freak was a good series. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you'd consider it horror, but. There's elements. 
there is a part where uh, the main character just straight up severs a kid's leg with a fucking hockey stick. So I mean, maybe <laughs> <laughs> there there might be some horror there. Oh, maybe potentially. Yeah, but reading reading uh, Goosebumps is what like got me. You know, as I got older, to start reading things like Stephen King and watching all of the movies based off of those books too. I don't know, Justin, if you saw. I have like a big Stephen King collection of books over there. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's our our first exposure to horror. Do you guys have any like things between then and now that maybe you wanna wanna share that may may be formative for your taste in horror now? Saw. Oh yeah, you you are saw. a big Saw fan. Yes, well, sir. Yes, yes, and no. Like, there's some. It really set the bar for my standards of horror because there's a lot of tropes in Saw. The first one specifically is what I'm mentioning, because there's parts of it that are believable, and then parts that are like, yeah, no, under no circumstances would this happen, you know. And then I was like, realism is kind of important to plot. In Sometimes, yes. <laughs> for me. It's, yeah. it's more important than most. I'm, I'm sure you guys will find that oftentimes I love and hate most, <laughs> most or anything that we watch or play. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love to hate it. <laughs> it was a wonderful movie. Well, there's parts of it that I really hate. That's fine. I can accept that more than you saying you outright hate it and then tell me all the stuff you loved about it. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember it going quite that way, but I I do remember spearheading with didn't like it. Uh, yeah, you, you did. You spearheaded with, uh, I'm going to be honest, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. Kind of hated it. And I'm like, what? And you're like, yeah. I was like, well, is there any good thing that you got from it? And then you told me the whole movie. Name same here. Saw the Saw series. All what he said is true. Yeah. And that's pretty much you it. Big on, you big on Saw, too. I'm the odd man out on this. Amen. Forge report. It's time to cut out the cancer, which is me, apparently. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you have anything to add, Brandon? Well, back not so early as like Jurassic Park and Resident Evil, but when I was got a little bit older, I want to say about nine or ten, we were visiting a friend of my mom's, and they were in the living room watching a movie, and I walked in on this movie, and it was Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, uh, and it was the scene where that guy got turned into a puppet, all the tendons and nerve endings from his arms and legs, yeah, shot out from him and went up to Freddy's gloves, yeah, and he was. Freddy's glove. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he cut he cut the the line as he uh -huh. fell off the side of the building. Scarred me. The whole set of that movie was at that little asylum. Asylum, yeah. Yeah. I walked in on that, and that terrified me, but it in absolutely intrigued me at the same time. I'm sickened but curious. Yeah, basically. <laughs> from then on out, that's that's where my love of slashers grew. Was from that movie, yeah. and that's why Freddy is my favorite slasher as well. And then there is when. Alien vs. Predator was about to come out. I think I was like 13 at the time. It was yeah, 2003, time. 2004. Because it wasn't too much further when Freddy vs. Jason came out. It came out like, what, a couple, two, three years later? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
that movie was coming out, and I was like, I want to watch this movie. The the trailers and commercials for it made it look really great. Arguably, it wasn't so much when I did watch it. But uh, <laughs> in excitement for that, I started to watch all of the Alien and Predator movies before that movie came out. And that's what got me into like really looking for movies in the horror genre and watching them religiously, almost. <laughs> Those were the biggest things for me in my history with, with the horror genre that really got me into it. So that's a, that's a little bit about our background there. Uh, we're going to get into an interesting topic for today. It's our top three movies and games in the genre. We're doing a separate list for each. But before we do that... headlines Elvira and her 40th anniversary super special on Shudder airs tonight literally probably right now as we're recording yeah so we're gonna be watching that live if you're listening to this and you didn't know about it it's too late you can still go watch it on Shudder it's exclusive on Shudder so go check that out for sure similar to that coming October 8th Joe Bob is back and the last drive-in he's having the Halloween hoedown I'm excited to see the mutant family get back together for another last drive-in I can't wait to see what they're showing there Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley is coming out in December and we're all looking forward to that. Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass has dropped on Netflix. It's his new series. He's the guy who did uh, Bly Manor and The Haunting on Hill House Netflix series, which are both very great horror series you can find on Netflix. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. And uh, Midnight Mass is looking to be really good too. That's our horror headlines that we have for this episode. So that segues us pretty well into the next topic. Next week, we're not doing our full episode two. The plan is to do a quick review of the Elvira special, season three, episode one of Creep Show that just dropped on Shudder, and Midnight Mass. So be looking forward to that. It's going to be a good one. So moving on from that, we're going to do our top threes now, starting with Justin. He's going to give us his top three horror movies. And now these are top threes, not just based on what you like the most, but also, you know, what can be most influential. It's a little mixed bag of everything like that. When we're doing our top threes, we're trying to go pure horror genre as we can with this. Of course, you can't always be like pure horror and nothing else. If we were doing like cross genres like horror comedy or horror action my entire list would just be ghostbusters and two evil dead movies (laughs) (laughs) so we're not doing that (laughs) because ghostbusters is my favorite movie ever made but it's not going to be on this list so all right uh first off starting off uh number three is going to be halloween the original Halloween. Hell yeah. The thing I remember most about the movie was just how creepy it was. How kind of re- realistic it is. Because, I mean, just anybody could just stalk around and just go to people's houses and kill them. Mm-hmm. So it was real realistic. And just the fact that it was a silent killer who never spoke creeped me the hell out. And it's a classic. And he's Michael Myers, it's man. Michael freaking Myers. The thing about that movie is, is that Laurie... 
the main character, she didn't know his name. None of the babysitters actually knew who he was. The only person who really ever mentioned it was Michael was Dr. Loomis. Oh, Loomis. And even in the end credits of that movie, he was just called The Shape. So that's my number three. Hell yeah. Tony, what's your number three? Well, I didn't really uh, put him in any particular order, but I'm going to plop Insidious down there because I just found the movie interesting. And uh, not a whole lot of it was just obvious this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, tiptoe through the tulips wasn't horribly tip-toe obvious except for... through the tulips. That's <laughs> where Unless you watch the trailers. I think yeah. I played in the trailers. I don't watch trailers most of the time. I go into movies blind like a jerk. I try not to watch trailers now, but doing this podcast, I have to talk about trailers. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a duality. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite, um, my favorite character in Insidious is Darth Maul. Same. <laughs> I don't remember that movie as well as I wish that I remembered it, but it it stuck with me. That's what I first thought when I saw the that I actually showed the killer. I was like, "That's fucking Darth Maul." Yeah. <laughs> that movie's creepy as fuck, Tony. Yeah. Fucking creepy. I hate it. <laughs> it's not a good movie. Uh, no, it's 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 a good movie. It just kept me up at night. <laughs> oh, did it really? Yeah. It, it, it didn't scare me. It creeped me out, though. A different movie on my list kept me out. Mm. Not Insidious, though. Which yeah. is peculiar. Because with the concept of astral projection, whether or not you believe in it is quote-unquote possible. <laughs> yeah. So that really should have kept me up. <laughs> but it didn't. Oh, but yeah, that's my number three. How about you, Brandon? My number three, it's on this list because of it was how influential... It was to me, and that's gonna be Night of the Living Dead. My love for that movie stems from the fact that my father loved that movie, and he never, never scared of anything. He's Darth Vader. Yeah, he, he's he's the kind of guy you know never shows he's scared of anything. But then he told me one day when he was a kid, the thing that scared the shit out of him the most was Night of the Living Dead. And so I watched the movie. And we kind of had like a, a bond over Night of the Living Dead. And when I went to live in Seattle, while I was there, I met Judith Odea, who was Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. And uh, she signed a, a picture of herself. And I had it, you know, I had her sign it to my father, gave it to him. It's a wholesome pop story for you about horror. But that, that was like the thing that made me realize I don't just like horror. It's kind of a, a big deal to me and my family because anytime we we gathered around for family time is usually to watch a horror movie night of the living dead awesome movie george romero i'm a big george romero fan i i I do suffer from zombie burnout nowadays we're we're all a little tired of zombies train to busan is an exception but we'll get into that in another episode one day other than that i think zombies are a little tired altogether yeah yeah I mean, they should be resting eternally, not walking, walking eternally. around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank God Walking Dead is about to be over. Yep. Is it season. still not ended? Holy uh, yeah, no, it's still going. It's about to end, but Justin, you were telling me like it's still got spinoff series coming. Yeah, there's going to be a spinoff series after the main series of just uh, Daryl from the TV show and Carol. Oh, I met Daryl too. Norman Reedus. Yes. I met a lot of zombie people. And there's also other <laughs> spinoff shows. There's like World Beyond and Fear the Walking Dead. They're still going strong. Damn so, But the main series is ending. Okay. But Night of the Living Dead, good movie. Bold movie. George Romero, just a bold man, putting a black actor in a 
movie back then to be the main role. True. Bold. Appreciated nonetheless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that movie. I appreciate it. I respect it. I think it's also one of the... It's it's one of my most influential horror movies, and it's one of the most influential horror movies to the genre itself as well. well. We'll have a whole episode one day talking about the things George Romero's Of the Dead series did for horror. That's going to be good. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pass it to Justin here for his second pick. Number two. Number two for me is going to be Child's Play. The original Child's Play. Fuck yes. Where we introduced to Chucky. Wait, Tony, you hate Chucky, don't you? <laughs> Here's the story about yeah. me and Chucky. Uh, <laughs> the thing that scared me most about Chucky when I was a child, when I first watched it, was my mom used to have a old collection of dolls. And she had one doll. It was a My Buddy doll or something. Back then, it was called like a My Buddy doll. And it looked just like is it Chucky. my buddy the actual like dolls that Chucky was? I believe it was, but yeah, it was a look just like Chucky. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> the ever living shadow of me, and I mean, just the whole mystery of it being because you know further down the line, Chucky just basically becomes the main part of the show. The mystery is pretty much gone. The first one's the scariest one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you just gotta think about it. You're seeing the movie for the first time. Ain't nobody ever did no shit about no doll that just was possessed by a serial killer. From voodoo magic. Yes, unlike the remake they did, which has nothing to do with the upcoming Chucky series. But it did have Aubrey Plaza. Yes, of course. Aubrey Plaza. The Aubrey Plaza. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, Child's Play was their best. The actor, uh, Alex Vincent, played Andy Barkley. He was the cutest, like, sweetest kid mm-hmm. in that movie. You really felt for him. And when he was scared and stuff, you really felt bad for him. Yeah. All in all, great fucking movie. The series kind of went down shortly after that, but it's being brought back up. And I'm really excited for the upcoming Chucky series that's going to be on TV. Sci-fi. I'm I, I'm hype as fuck for it. Sci-fi too. in USA. I cannot wait to see it. Hell yeah. We're definitely gonna be watching that when it comes out. And reviewing it. Tony's gonna love that. Yes. Oh yeah. Hey, but, no, for real though, the, the Chucky series that's coming out, the trailer makes it look good. like it's gonna be really fucking good. I'm hype. And they'll have plenty of time to tell the story. I mean, it's basically going to turn out to be like a damn eight-hour movie, basically. Yeah. Because it's going to be eight episodes all each an hour long. Hell yeah. But uh, that's Child's Play number two for me. Uh, What about you, Tony? Well, Woman in Black. Not the old one. The one with Daniel Radcliffe. The one that uh, apparently nobody liked except for me. Hey, hey, I hey! Liked it. I, have, I have not seen it. <laughs> it was it was the top grossing uh, movie made in the UK. Daniel Radcliffe is that Harry Potter at the time? Yes, yes. that's for Harry Potter. Yes, I've heard about the movie. I have not seen it yet. I need to. It's one of Tony's favorites. It's called what again? Woman in Black. Woman in Black. Yeah. Do you want to go over yeah. the history of Woman in Black? I don't know it. I know you know it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a it's a very old story. It was a book, and then it got turned into a play. It got turned into a series on TV on the BBC. Oh, so it was a British thing. Yeah, yeah. It's always been a very British thing. It got made into a movie three different times. One of those being the Daniel Radcliffe one. Yeah, it, it has a very long history. It's one of those never die British 
sort of things, kind of like Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I liked the movie because uh, it was more atmospheric until the end. In mm-hmm. the end, they it seemed like they rushed to tie everything together and like give you all the story kind of all at once because up until that point, it was all like in the environment and stuff. You had to like pick out the clues and stuff, and I was like, oh, I dig it. That's cool. And then they just threw it all in your face, like, yeah, I mean, if you didn't catch it, here you go. Like, okay. <laughs> we spent too much time on the plot before we got to this point. <laughs> I don't think it was even, like, the plot. I think they just, uh... Suspense building. Yeah. yeah. And then they wanted to throw it all in your face all at once. <laughs> yeah, that movie, up until that point, was just awesome. And then I don't remember... Exactly, because I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. The scene with the road that would become submerged mm-hmm. and the horse. That was crazy, and I can't remember why. <laughs> Just remember bits and pieces. Yeah. But otherwise, I thought it was a great movie. Daniel Radcliffe did a good job, and uh, I thought he's a good actor. Super good. Oh, yeah, super good. Uh, the, only, the only thing I uh, wasn't too big a fan of is, shockingly, the movie's really gray. <laughs> it's England. What do you expect? <laughs> it, it seemed to be uh, gray. Seemed to be a power color for that movie. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it, it fits, but it's also like could be some color somewhere. But eh, <laughs> whatever. Well, that that movie did do bangers just because Daniel Radcliffe was in it for the most part. Because this was like at the height of the Harry Potter movie popularity, right? And uh, people just yeah. wanted to see some more Daniel Radcliffe. I mean. I, I wouldn't be upset if we saw more of him anyways. Oh, yeah. He's a charming, charming dude. I want him to do a movie with Elijah Wood. That'd be cool. <laughs> what kind of movie you think they'd do? I want to, I a, like, a weird British buddy cop movie, kind of like Hot Fuzz. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. But I think that's about all I have to say about Woman in Black. What would your second be, Brandon? My second is going to be my favorite slasher character ever. It's going to be the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I love me some Freddy. You can't see this, but I got, like, this ornate boxed Freddy glove hanging in my room right here. I'm a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan. I'm a huge fan of Wes Craven in general. Just to point out one of my surprises that's not on Tony's list is Scream. I honestly, I thought you were going to mention Scream at some point. <laughs> yeah, I've been tempted. Yeah. Uh, just because he's he's one of my favorite killers, but I mean, I didn't really enjoy the movies too much. Really? Really? We had a discussion not that long ago about like, oh, we hated it when we were younger, but like as we got older, we appreciated it a lot more. And like you even said, like we were way too young to know what fuck was going on when that oh, movie came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It'll but, definitely be I mean, Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't consider Scream to be a fantastic movie by any means. Are you excited but for the new one? I wasn't aware there was a new one coming out. Yeah, this <laughs> January, February. Next year? Yeah. I'm gonna have to fucking watch it. It's gonna be not directed by, you know, Wes Craven because, you know... He's, he's dead now, but yeah, Wes Craven, he's he's one of my favorite horror directors ever. Uh, Hills Have Eyes. He's a genius. Scream, yeah. And he's very... He knows how to do meta very well. He knows how to fuck with your expectations from a movie and turn them on their head. And he does that a lot with Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street was him getting comfortable with turning things on their head and messing with your expectations before he did Scream and the whole meta plot of 
the movie rules are the rules of this movie as well, and but people are aware of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't go upstairs. Don't say I'll be right back. But the whole dream aspect of Nightmare on Elm Street, letting him do whatever he wants to and make slasher kills as crazy as he wants them to be without having the laws of physics or reality weigh it down. Which, you know, oftentimes those get broken in slashers anyway. But now he has an excuse to go however fucking crazy he wants. And he takes advantage of it in Nightmare on Elm Street. Opinions on... The remake of Nightmare on Elm Street? I'm not a fan of the remake, but Jack Earl Haley, I think he did as good of a Freddy as he could in that movie. But I don't like him nearly as much as Robert England. No, you can't beat Robert England's Freddy. Any other person trying to be him is basically just a guy in a Freddy costume. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you, or is that you got a little bit of Jack Earl Haley's Rorschach in with Freddy. Like I said, I don't hate Jack Earl Haley's Freddy. I hate the movie it's in. I think that's fair. Yeah. But uh, that's my number two. Back to Justin. For my number one. This probably, some people love this movie, some people hate it. Me, this was the last movie I ever watched to where it actually scared me. And this is when I was like maybe 12, 13-ish. The Ring. The movie, The Ring. You're coming at me with some J-fucking-horror, dude? The Ring. (laughs) <laughs> no, that movie scared the shit out of me. I don't know. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a scary fucking movie. I mean, sh- I mean, seriously. Seven days. The whole atmosphere of the movie is creepy as fuck. I was watching the movie with my older brother and my dad's side of the family. And, of course, my older brother was an asshole to me. <laughs> Who, oh, whose older brother wasn't. The motherfucker would literally go and just turn on the fucking TV to where it would just go into static. Oh, fuck yeah. that. Fuck that. Yes. After you saw the ring? Yes. Fuck that. Yeah, he did that shit to, he did that shit to me for weeks. Mm-mm. The whole atmosphere. Samara, the killer. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a slasher. It's more oh, no, of no, a... No, 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 no. Yeah. It's definitely a J-horror. It, yeah. it strictly follows all like the J-horror rules. The movie was just creepy as fuck. I yeah. mean, people may say, ugh, killer videotape. Ugh. That's not the point. The whole backstory of the girl being killed down a well. Oh, yeah. Basically being trapped there for seven days and seven nights. Mm-hmm. Being killed. Freaky. Freaky as hell. Yeah. And that movie literally kept my ass up all night. I was scared to go to sleep that night. Justin, do you want a treat? Do you want a really good treat? What? On Shudder, they have the Japanese original Ringu. 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 It's probably scarier than the ring. It's actually not. I I would say the, the, the American ring is scarier, but Ringu as a movie in general, I think is better. In my opinion, uh, I think like you would like Ringu. <laughs> I think I think you're correct, unless you're not talking to me. No, I, I am talking to you, Tony. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anybody who's seen The Ring and was like, eh, rewatch it. If you actually watch it again and actually pay attention to the story and stuff, you'll actually, to appreciate it, great cinematography in the movie, especially when it comes to The Lighthouse, Naomi Watts. Naomi, Naomi Watts. Watts. <laughs> Naomi Watts. 
That's a good list. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I but, love I love the Ring movie. I love the American version. I, I would say I like the Japanese better, uh, but uh, I, I guess I haven't seen the Japanese. But you said it's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. Yeah. I'll definitely watch that. That's another killer that would be creepy as hell if they add on Dead by Daylight. You know what else they have on Shutter? The Ring versus the Grudge. Is a Japanese yeah. only movie. Wow. Where the two where the two ghost girls fight each other. But yeah, Samara <laughs> scares the shit out of me. Yeah, no, she's freaky as fuck. Freaky man. as hell. She doesn't even have to attack you. All she has to do is just stare at your ass. I also read the the book that it was based on, and uh, it's very different. The scariest part for me in that movie was the part where she was back at the cabin with her ex husband or boyfriend, mm-hmm. and they. Back where she originally watched the tape, and then they finally slowly realized they're like they didn't know what to do, how how we're gonna figure this out, and then they finally slowly realized she broke something, and all of the marbles went straight towards the TV, and they're like, huh, yeah. what's underneath this TV? And then when they finally break through, there's the fucking well, <laughs> and when um she gets knocked in, I forgot how, I think it was like a supernatural, and a TV hits her, and she falls into the well. But she's just sitting there in the dark. Yeah, I was kind of mm-hmm. nervous as fuck. But what kind of what you said? She finds Samara's dead body in there, but it instead of her being a skeleton, it was the actual body. But then she decomposes into a skeleton. Mm-hmm. The kid actor in that movie. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! I think was, I'm trying to remember his name. It was Aiden, I yeah. believe, was his name. His character's name. Well done playing that child. The part where he's just like. You weren't supposed to help her. <laughs> That's my scariest movie. Ring two. I, I, I don't. I didn't watch any of the sequels. Well, there was only the remakes. Yeah. Okay, it kind of uh, I goes. Was, it kind of switches in a modern day because it starts out with the VHS tape. I was told the remake was boring and pointless. <laughs> Pretty much, it was just a cash grab. But yeah. I still watched it because I love the Ring series. Um, Ring 2 wasn't as good as... The the best American Ring movie is the original. Yeah. Then Ring 2, I guess, because the same actress and actor, the kid actor, is in the second one. But it's kind of of like... It deals with possession in the second movie. Yeah. Because Samara, basically... Because she destroys one of the last copies of the tape because that was the thing about that movie. If you made a copy of the tape, you were safe. Yeah, and uh, that was a creepy point in the original too, where she's just pointing at the the tape. Yeah, like, basically telling you, yeah, hey, just make a copy. You survived because you shared this. Yes. Yeah, that was fucking creepy. Uh, Creepiest fucking face for Samara too, and you don't even really get to see her. Do, the hairs on the, the way. Yeah, the hairs in the way until the ending of the movie. Yeah, I was a pussy. I kind of was kind of trying to cover my face a little bit because I was like, no. Shit's fucking creepy, man. I mean, you see what happens if you stare at her. She turns you to the damn face. Yeah. So, before we move on to Tony, are you sure you don't want to, like, maybe think about your list really hard? Because I'm very, very, very surprised that Justin, of all people... Didn't, I only didn't mention a Friday the 13th in his top three. Well, I mean, I wanted to add something else. I mean, I love the Friday the 13th series, but here's the thing when it came to the Friday the 13th series. That, Guys, you don't know. He, this dude is a Jason Voorhees mega fan. Here's the thing. There was too many movies to choose from to put into a list. When Brandon told me about this, it has to be a singular movie. 
I was like, I can't just pick one of them and feel happy about myself about not picking the rest of them. So I just said, fuck it. I'm just not going to pick any of them. And honestly, The Ring is my number one because that's literally the last movie that ever scared the living shit out of me. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be up there at number one right now. Okay. So Justin's list is... It is. Number three was the original Halloween. Halloween. Number two, Child's Play. Child's Play. Number one, The Ring. The Ring with a fat asterisk next to all of that saying, but Friday the 13th though... Friday the 13th. Oh, trust me. When we get to honorable mentions, I'm going to be talking about some Friday the 13th. We'll get to that. I love love how his philosophy behind not picking any of the Friday the 13th movies is since none of you win, you all lose. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if I would have picked one, I would be like, God damn it, I should have picked the other one. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I thought your favorite was part three. Uh, <laughs> Stop making me proud to pick, Brandon. Stop it. I love all of them. They're all my even, children. Even the bad ones, I love. <laughs> anyway, sound like a parent to those movies. <laughs> yes. Well, I fucking love them, dude. <laughs> he he loves him. I, I, I am intimate man. with some Jason. I'm I'm not as intimate well. with movies. I am pretty <laughs> intimate with games, though. What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I didn't really uh, list these in any particular order, but uh, the last on my list is Evil Dead. Yeah. Be- because, uh, well, it was a great freaking movie, man. Just, uh, there wasn't a whole lot about it that I didn't like, except for the, uh... Evil Dead. Except for the Evil Dead. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm sitting here giving thumbs up. I'm, I'm like, happy Evil Dead's on your list because I'm an Evil Dead, like, mega fan. <laughs> it's pretty groovy. It wasn't creepy because by the time I got around to seeing it, it was already many, many years old at that mm. point. But uh, I really appreciated all the camera work and all the cinematography and uh, the way the actors did their parts was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. The only thing I didn't like about it is the incessant excessively high-pitched laughter from What's Her Bucket. Yeah. That. I love that. May as, well have, <laughs> may as well have been nails on a chalkboard to me, man. I did not like it. And it wasn't creepy. It was just annoying to me. Yeah. You you mentioned the cinematography in that movie. Are you aware of how revolutionary Evil Dead was for cinematography in movies in general? Not quite, but it did kind of seem like uh, they were either not using a gimbal or they were using a very crude gimbal. It was a very crude gimbal. Nobody had even thought of anything like that at the time. They took uh, two by fours and drilled a camera down onto it. And two people, one on each side, would run through the woods with it. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> but it was actually, it was a recipe for fucking success because the the camera work in Evil Dead, and this was a little indie movie, by the way. Sam Raimi just got a bunch of his friends, went into the woods, and made a movie. And the camera work and cinematography they did was so revolutionary, people just adored this movie and started using shots like that in their own like big budget movies and we started to come up with things like gimbals and all that shit so and for good reason if you listen to our malignant review i talk a lot about sam raimi and sam raimi isms that was in malignant even though it was made by james wan and because that's how distinctive sam raimi's style of filmmaking is 
if I if if you show me a movie made by Sam Raimi, but don't tell me if it's made by Sam Raimi, I'll probably know before the movie's over with that it was made by Sam Raimi. Just because of the shots. The, sh- the shots, the camera work, and, you know, some of the things that he'll have actors do within the movie. He's very auteur. You know, like Quentin Tarantino and and, and, and Kubrick and all them, who's, it's uh, directors with distinctive styles that are a character of itself within the movies that they make. Mm. Where, yeah, like, if, if you're watching a Tarantino movie, you know you're watching a Tarantino movie because Tarantino's DNA is all in the movie. Yeah, I, I got the concept you're talking about. I love that Evil Dead is on your list. I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. Also, I, I like that Evil Dead 1 is in your list because that would that one, I believe, is the most horror of the Evil Dead series. Which yeah, because 2 where they start doing groovy a lot, right? Yeah, 2 is where it gets really groovy and really funny slapstick, almost like cartoon violence type Mixed with uh, horror and the splatter genre of horror, which I love. It's amazing. Evil Dead 1, definitely the scariest, other than the the remake, which you might really love. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna check out all the Evil Dead stuff I can. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead is on Netflix. When you're done with all the movies, go check that out. It's a really good show. Though Bruce Campbell hated every second of filming it. (laughs) (laughs) He said he was so done being Ash Williams in movies and shows at that time but they paid him so you can only say groovy so many times <laughs> yeah yeah so that was my top pick uh evil dead mostly because of the cinematography and camera work the props are also phenomenal so how about your top pick brandon my number one pick is a movie i believe is the perfect horror movie it's perfect in every way that's a pretty As, tall claim there, brother. It's it's designed, engineered. It's within its DNA. It's a perfect horror machine. That movie is Ridley Scott's Alien. That was a bit, but I mean, honestly, I don't think you could get a whole horror package in one movie as well as you do Alien. You got a creature feature. You got a slasher. You got a haunted house just about within this one movie. And it does everything, balances it so well and so just so perfectly. The, all the all the all the actors bring their fucking A game. Sigourney Weaver is amazing in this movie. The xenomorph is one of the freakiest fucking things I've ever seen, but it also looks fucking badass. That thing looks so fucking cool, and it's based off a penis. HR <laughs> <laughs> Giger, as we all know, he's he's not a normal fellow. He wasn't rest his soul he designed the uh, xenomorph based off of another piece of art that he did before that movie his artwork kind of goes into the base subconscious fears of man in general and he makes some very surreal freaky artwork from that and that is where the look of the xenomorph was born and what you have is this thing that is designed to kill people and it's also aesthetically designed to be the most terrifying fucking thing you could possibly see in a dark corner of a room. <laughs> I love Alien so fucking much. I think it's the perfect movie. It it doesn't it doesn't run on jump scares. It doesn't fuck around with with uh, the those hokey scare moments and fake outs or anything like that. The first Alien movie is all about atmosphere. It's all about isolation. It's all about the fear of the unknown and the fear of being alone in a movie. 
wrapped up in this nice package of sci-fi mixed with horror. It's perfect, in my opinion. I feel like something similar is going to be on your video game list, too. Yeah, but not at the top spot. Ah, all right. Yeah. So, Alien, I love it so much. Uh, I can I, I watch that movie at least once a year. I have the... <laughs> I have the Blu-ray collection of the Alien movies. To me, it just doesn't get better than Alien. I could, I could, I never could get tired of watching the first Alien. A lot of people nowadays would probably complain that it's a bit too slow-paced for their liking, but I think that that pacing is absolutely necessary for the build-up and suspense and the payoff of when the alien xenomorph is on the ship with them. And just the just the crazy shit Ridley Scott got into when coming up with the the life cycle of this fucking thing with the egg to the face hugger to the alien and the acidic blood that they have so you don't want to kill the thing you don't want to maim it or you know break its skin in any way but you have to get rid of it somehow or it'll kill you I it's the perfect horror creature and definitely the best creature feature I've ever seen Close, close creature feature I've ever seen based on real animals was Crawl. I don't know if y'all ever saw that movie about the alligators. That's a really good movie. Cujo. Not I. <laughs> Cujo's another really good one. Yes. But Crawl is really good. Alien, favorite movie in the horror genre by far. I love me some Freddy Krueger, but as a movie in itself, I gotta give it to Alien. I, that's a good pick, man. Really good pick. Hell yeah. I think we all had a good lineup for movies. Oh, yeah, except you. You had... Uh, yeah, mine was black. pretty garbage. I'm, I'm kidding. No, no, yours was good. We're going to get into our top three video games now. And like the previous list, we're trying to make it as horror exclusive as we can. Otherwise, my list would just be a bunch of Doom games. Because I love Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Doom it's true. One, Doom 2. Doom it, it would be Doom 1, Doom 2, Doom Eternal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. Doom. But we're not, we're not doing that. There's some that would argue that Doom's not even horror any See anyway. how it was hard for me for the Friday 13th? I would have just been like, okay, Friday, Friday the yeah. 13th. Friday the but Friday 13th would fit in the list, though. I know. But this one, Doom is more of an action game than horror. It just has enough horror elements to be within the horror conversation, I believe. But... We're not we're not gonna include stuff like that. We're gonna start the way we did before with Justin and we'll go around the metaphorical table. Alright. Starting off at number three will be Friday thirteenth the game. Ooh. Uh, so Friday the thirteenth made your list. Yes. In some way. Hey, I, I, had, full I, had, circle. I had to just so I can give him some love. Um great game. It's a damn shame that the lawsuit's going on with Victor Miller and Sean S. Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, because that game had the potential to be very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure it would have just completely overtook another game that I'll talk about soon. Yeah. But the fact that you could actually play as a survivor, I mean, and or a camp counselor, not survivor, counselor, each counselor is different. Mm-hmm. They have their own perks. There's a lot of similarities with that between another game, but it is different. You can actually attack the killer in the game, which is good. And another fun fact about that game, the person who did the motion capture for Jason in the movie was 
Kane fucking hotter. Kane motherfucking hotter. A guy that Kane. I wish to meet one day. Oh. Because he is Jason. And from what I understand, he's just the nicest fucking dude oh, yeah. ever. Yes. I, I regret because here nearby where we live, there's a haunted chicken house. I think it was last year or two years ago. It was before the pandemic started. He made a special appearance there. Yeah. And I, I did not go and see him. And I regret that shit. From what I understand, he made a special appearance at Aatrox as well a couple of years ago. <laughs> he probably... <laughs> Robert England was at Aatrox a couple of years ago, too. Well, the guy who played there. Jigsaw, Tobin Bell, he oh, was at yeah. the haunted chicken house. Oh. That's another guy I wish to meet. Yeah. But Friday 13th, the game, uh, is really good. It had a lot going for it until the lawsuit. Lawsuits just killed it. it. I mean, they were going to have Uber Jason, Jason X. Yeah. They were going. They had a pretty much the whole Jason X, the killer and the map, pretty much done. But because of this lawsuit, they can't do anything about it. The only thing they can do legally with the game is try to do some bug fix, fixes. Maintenance. Maintenance, basically. Yeah. That's all they can do. And pretty much the developers have already said pretty much even after this lawsuit's over with that they're pretty much done with the game. They've already shut down the dedicated servers for the game. Mm. So basically it's back to, oh yeah, if the person who was host of that game leaves, then the match is over. But Because that's that sucks because if you try to get online now and play Friday the 13th, it's mostly the match ain't even going to end. And not even go through, through the whole match because somebody will quit. Um, it's a it's, shame. It's a damn shame. A lot of good elements to the game. I mean, the whole, all the maps have a rich Friday the 13th feel. Every single map is based on a particular movie in the series. So many references within so the maps. So many references in the maps. The game made by fans, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, fans helped made it. They basically tested it all the way through. This game was in development for a long time. I remember, because this game was in development for a long, long, long time. Even back when me and Brandon were still living in our old hometown, there was already I remember Brandon showing me trailers of the game being made and we were fucking like we literally shot through a roof we were so excited for this fucking game to be made a lot of fond memories about that and we were like we're gonna play the fucking game we're gonna oh, play yeah. the fucking game we gotta get this fucking game we're gonna play it then it just ran into trouble no I'm just kidding my real third is Friday 13th from the Nintendo I'm just fucking with it <laughs> what a curveball toying with my emotions like this <laughs> oh, you can play as that Jason in the Friday the 13th Yeah, it's game. A, and the, the Part 3 Jason, there's a separate skin to where it's Purple Jason. From the NES yeah. game. <laughs> God, I fucking missed that game. I mean, you can still play it, but it's just not the same. I mean, yeah. especially when you know that there's not going to be nothing done with it. Yeah. And that's the only reason why it's in my th- it's third spot. If there was still full support for the game and this lawsuit wouldn't have done, I'll go ahead and tell you, it probably would have been my number one game. Yeah, on the list, but it's a good fucking game. But there's another game that's going to be I want to mention later, maybe after the lawsuit, some shit can get done, and I will be. I think we excited. can all agree that all three of us will agree that the one you're about to talk about is a good game. Oh yes, and uh, I'll leave it at that. I mean, Friday Thirteenth, damn good game. It's a damn shame. Maybe years down the road in a future PC game or console game years from now maybe they'll try to retry to do Friday 13th or something mm-hmm. we'll see but 
I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I mostly just want this lawsuit thing to be over so we can get another Friday the 13th movie. It's been too long. The last movie was like, what, 2009? Yeah. It was shortly after we got out of high school. I, I want it to get the same treatment Halloween's getting right now. Yes. Yeah. But uh, that's it for my number three pick. Uh, Tony, what about you? Well, uh, my third would have to be Among the Sleep. If either of you have any idea what that game I've is. I've played it. I haven't, but it sounds... I've played like, it and I... like I've, the title. I've played it and I watched Markiplier play it. Um, how spoilery can we get with this? Here's your spoiler warning for Among the Sleep right now. Yeah, Among the Sleep was a wonderful game for several reasons. Uh, a lot of it, for me, was the creativity. Mm -hmm. And uh, how it turned the most mundane shit in the game into the scariest shit just based off of how a child might let their imagination run away with them. Their perspective a, in that game is genius. Oh, absolutely. And how it kind of like harkens back to where everyone has been as a child. The way the story wraps up It's a pretty fucking fuck. deep. It's, it's heavy. pretty fucking deep. It's, it's heavy really heavy. <laughs> I, I didn't get a chance to play the DLC which I'm remembering as I'm talking about this so I need to get to that. Yeah, but um, I never played I the really DLC liked, either. Yeah, I really liked the atmosphere about it, mm -hmm. and uh, like it was so strange because you you'd get constantly reminded that you're playing as a toddler, because it'd be terrifying but also whimsical at the same time. Like there'd be like little little chimes of like like music boxes, but not like terrifying music boxes. Just yeah normal ass music boxes but you don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah no like in this scenario you're like I like it but it's also just normal like lullaby music through music box and it's just a nice touch yeah I thought that was one of the more creative horror games that also pulled off being a freaking horror game so I really enjoyed that yeah uh, for my third on the list without uh, getting all into the specific details of it while well, you're aware of what I'm talking about, Brandon. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you for your third. My third is going to be Alien Isolation. Now, I've I've already gushed on how much I love Alien as a movie. I love the Alien franchise, too. I would have thought that would have been your number one or number two pick. Yeah, no. Uh, Alien Isolation, it is not on this list just because I love Alien. As a game, I love Alien Isolation. It's what I'm looking for in a survival horror game. There's a lot of horror games that do the whole you can't hurt the killer sort of thing, you know? But this one, I think it does it very well because you can defend yourself. There's ways to defend yourself and there's enemies in the game that you can defend yourself from and ultimately kill. But the Xenomorph is not one of those. Those fucking androids. The androids are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my memories of Alien Isolation, it's not going to be on my list, but I remember watching Brandon play it a lot. Oh, I, I love this game so much. That, I, I wasn't even playing, but I was on my fucking toes like... <laughs> no. It, it, it's a, it's a nerve-wracking fucking game. It was like game. I was watching a fucking movie. Yeah, it's a nerve-wracking game, and I think the scariest aspect of the fucking game is... Like, I felt like the loud, obnoxious guy in the theater. Don't you go in there! <laughs> the, you the, know what's gonna happen. The, the scariest aspect of this game is that the alien... There's one alien hunting you throughout the game, and it's uh, it's not scripted. It's it's all, It almost feels like it's another player, but it's not. So it feels, in a sense, alien. 
to the game itself, it feels like it's not supposed to be there. It's like a completely random AI. It's an AI, and it thinks for itself. It actually, like, uses its own, like, programmed logic to hunt you down. If there's something in your environment that you messed with or moved... It'll know. It'll it'll see that when it, like, uh, like, oh, something changed here. Someone's in this area, and it'll look around for you. And if it ever catches you in, a, in an area... And you and you and you get away, it'll start looking in areas like that more often. Like it learns as you play through the game. It's like, oh, they this person that I'm hunting, uh, they like to hide in the lockers a lot, so it'll start checking lockers more. Or oh, they hide under desks a lot, so it'll start looking, paying more close attention to under desks and shit. The alien itself is creepy from a, like an AI perspective alone. And, of course, it's a xenomorph, so it goes into the, the base fears of its design that I already talked about in the Alien movie. But it was one of those games, one of the few times I played a horror game, and after I beat it, I immediately wanted to play it again and start over. <laughs> and, and I did. I played that game like three times in a row. I remember the scariest time I remember watching you play Alien Isolation. You were going into a vent, and I was like, oh, this is a safe spot. And then all of a sudden, fucking alien just popped out at you uh-huh. in the fucking vent. And I literally jumped out of my fucking... <laughs> like, fuck! That game is fucking terrifying, man. And you're like, you're like, yeah, there's no safe spot here. Yeah, there's there's not there's nowhere you can go to forever in this game. If you stay in one spot for long enough, it'll eventually find you. If you, if you guys let me out, I'll sit here and I'll talk about this game for the next few hours. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Justin for his number two. This was a toughie for me, um, but number two, I will say Resident Evil, the original for the PlayStation. Hell yeah. Scary as fuck. First ever sort of zombie game that I ever played. Even right off the bat, it just hits you. Yeah. You don't really have no time to think. I mean, I'm not trying to go into many many details, but Resident Evil is my number two. I mean, great series of games. I haven't played all of them. But I have played the original, and it was a long time ago. So my memory's kind of spotty on it. I just remember bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I know they remade it, and I watched you play it mm-hmm. on the Switch. Sydney Constellation, I have almost all the Resident Evil games on my Steam, so if we wanted to gather around and watch. Nice. Yeah. That's my number two. Tony, what's yours? Yeah, my number two uh, was pretty easy for me to choose. Um... Visage. Mm. Visage was phenomenal. That's the game I keep like mixing with another game. Do you remember what game you keep uh, mixing it up with? I keep thinking of Visage. <laughs> is Visage is that the one where you eventually you get the, the 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 thing that can like read like spectral anomalies in the game? No, that's the Beast Inside, I believe. Yeah, that's the one I keep mixing up with Visage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one you were watching me play the other month. Yeah. Yeah. Visage is a really pretty photorealistic game. It has a certain charm to it because none of the events that occur in the game are scripted. It's all random. Mm-hmm. All of it. And it's all based on your sanity meter. And it's which terrifying. The, <laughs> yes, and the worse your sanity gets, the more frequent it happens. And if you're on a chapter where something can kill you, that becomes more likely, which mm-hmm. is horrifying. And then random objects throughout the game, just looking at them drive your sanity down. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of one of those things, two of those things that I, I love to mention is one of those uh, clocks that are shaped like a black cat, and it's yeah. got like 
the paw and it's like looking back and forth. Mm -hmm. That drives your sanity down really fast. And then another funny one is a photo of Jesus. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, just I noticed, a random I, photo of Jesus. I notice. look at a coat on a coat hanger, it drives your sanity down. There's a specific one, and I know yeah. the one you're talking about. Uh, not all of them do that, but the one, Yeah. that one's weird, because I don't know why it does that. I'm hoping as I play through the game, I'll find out why that one is important. Mm -hmm. But as far as I know, uh, there's nothing special about the clock, and there's nothing special about Jesus in the game. <laughs> in the game. <laughs> I'm not trying to start a religious debate here. <laughs> the The randomness of the game really uh, pulls through in, I believe her name is Dolores. Dolores' chapter? Yeah. That's when the randomness really shines. And I don't want to spoil why, because that'll probably make people not want to play it. But just rest assured, it's probably the, the best part of the game. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Easter eggs in that game, too. Oh, yeah. Ultra terrifying, even even without the part that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one with the, the Doom shotgun in it. Yeah the, yeah, the fun Easter egg. Yeah, that one. That <laughs> I always go to that when I'm showing people the game, and it starts playing Doom music. Yeah. <laughs> you pick up the shotgun, and it's like, it does like a reel of like expecting the shotgun, and it's playing like metal music. <laughs> and then it just charges, and it does the Joker thing with a flag coming out. <laughs> a lot of games have had... Doom references. Well, Doom mm -hmm. is Doom is one of the most influential games. As far as Visage goes, the atmosphere and the audio engineering, uh -huh. top notch. It's top notch. It's great. It just watching you stream it, and I'm getting the same audio experience you are. It was a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, imagine playing it and being like, "I have to go there." Yeah, <laughs> I have to go in this room. <laughs> Fuck me. I don't, I don't wanna. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'd rather do. Yeah, and, and there's uh, certain parts that you haven't even seen yet that are more terrifying than what you have experienced in yeah. the game, and it's so good. The only thing that I have to give them crap for is when they were up on Kickstarter, they were teasing making VR, mm. and they haven't. They don't appear that they intend to make VR a reality for that game, which that is a crying so shame. Scary. Oh yeah, they absolutely should. And the thing is, is there's a lot of people that feel burned for hitting their Kickstarter for the VR experience. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, I'm not one of those people. Yeah. But I also wouldn't fault them for it because I still came out with a good, good experience. It could be more terrifying though. Yeah. Dude, Especially if I would you put be down a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, but I would be shitting my pants excited and then shitting my pants terrified <laughs> in the same hour <laughs> if they went ahead and did it. That's one thing that's, I've never got to be experience a, a VR horror game. That, oh god. Oh, we should we should <sighs> get RE7? Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia, yeah. Um, RE7 Phasma would be worse. Really? Like scarier. I do. Mm. Because uh, the game doesn't look too photorealistic when you're playing desktop mode. Yeah. In VR, you feel like you're in somebody's house. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it gets so much more real. It's like they turned up the graphics just for VR, and it's kind of potato for desktop. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. It's a surreal experience. But mm. uh, how's that for an honorable mention? <laughs> <laughs> Fastball Fast made it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's my number two. Take it away, Brandon. 
My number two is going to be a game that is probably... This is the game that got me into horror games. I love this game to death, and it's Resident Evil 4. Now, Resident Evil 4 is kind of split in the Resident Evil fan base as being the start of the downfall of the Resident Evil series, or it's just the calm before the storm that is the downfall. Of the fall of... Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how it's mostly regarded as the calm before the, the shit storm. Yeah. Because but 4 I've... was what we expected. Yeah. And, and then, then we five got and 5 six. after that. <laughs> <laughs> and then 5 and 6 were just, what the hell? Fucking 5 and 6. Boulder punching asshole. <laughs> I I played RE4 because if you remember in my origin story, my, my own horror origin story, Resident Evil scared the fuck out of me as a small child. RE4 came out when I was about 13. Part of me playing that was because one, it looked really good, and two, it was, you know, Revisiting that fear and being like I'm bigger now. RE4 was me con conquering that fear of the Resident Evil series, the scar that RE3 kind of left on me as a, as a kid, and I did not expect to fall in love with it as hard as I did. That game, I was playing a lot. I was experimenting with a lot of new games around that time. In general, this is when I played two of my other favorite games, Metal Gear Solid 3. We all love. <laughs> and Final Fantasy X. I had a PS2, I was going to play some new type of games, being a Sega and Nintendo kid before, so... You worship Sega. Oh yeah, we'll get into that at some other point. <laughs> Sega! I fell head over heels with this fucking game. It was so good. The atmosphere, the music, everything in this fucking game. It's creepy, but like that intro hooks you in. You, you know what I'm talking about, Tony. Oh, yeah. It starts with the monologue of, of Leon Kennedy going over what happened in the aftermath of uh, Resident Evil 2 and 3, and then catching us up with what's going on in 4. The president's daughter is missing. She was uh, spotted somewhere in Spain. I, I don't think I forget the location. They didn't specify Spain, but I'm pretty sure it's set in Spain. And he, Leon Kennedy, is sent there, tasked by the president. He's part of the Secret Service to go find the president's daughter and bring her back. It starts with this, this crazy, like, Spanish music going on. And while he's talking about this, he's in, like, in a car ride. It's very cinematic, this opening to Resident Evil 4. And immediately I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm like, this, this is good. I start playing it. I'm terrified, okay? I haven't played many horror games at this point. I'm fucking terrified, but I'm loving every second of this game. And I can't wait for us all to get together and play Resident Evil 4 again. I'm gonna have a great fucking time. I My first time. love, yeah, it'll be uh, Justin's first time playing this game. And I get to, I love sharing that love of Resident Evil 4 with someone new. It's always great. I, I played that game so many times. Uh, growing up through high school and all that fun shit that I could probably still hit all the puzzles and do them without thinking. Yeah. I remember the cross puzzle with that one door. Yeah. I remember the fucking solution to it. It's all muscle memory at this point. <laughs> I think we should have Justin play it. And I agree. Him. Yeah. I agree. And y'all just watch and like... <laughs> well, we'll guide you. We'll help you. No. But we'll, we won't give you everything away, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah, you're about to hit some scary shit. I mean... Ask, ask Brandon, I didn't give away much of anything unless, like, he was having trouble progressing because of nerves. In, in, in RE8. Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had to coax you into walking through the blood. I hated, I hated that. That's one of my tropes I hate. We'll talk about that when we get into, like, an episode for video games, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, RE4, 
it was my introduction into horror games playing it myself i i love it for so much for so many reasons other than just nostalgia i'm not i'm not really looking at it with rose tinted goggles recently in these past couple years i have revisited games that i love as a child and you know a teenager and those those rose tinted glasses came off for a lot of those but not re4 re4 holds up re4 definitely holds up i love it re4 fucking love it justin what's your number one before i go into this this is a disclaimer it's not dead by daylight the game is still new to me hey we all love dead by daylight in this house so yes and I mean, if we do another top three years from now, it'll probably be in my top three. But it's still new to me, and there is a lot of similarities between it and Friday the 13th, the game. It's not going to be that, but it's an honorable mention. I'll briefly go over it again when we do honorable mentions. But my number one of all time is Castlevania, the original Castlevania. Damn great series. Played pretty much almost every single Castlevania except for like basically the newer ones. Mm-hmm. But classic Nintendo Castlevania, that's the shit. People like to shit on the second one, but I still love it and I've beaten. But you're going the first one. Yes, the okay. original Castlevania. Basically has all horror elements you can think of Frankenstein. The Grim Reaper, Medusa Heads. Yeah, and let's let's go ahead and squash this now. Castlevania was like the horror game back in the days of when this came out. Like, this was how you did horror back then. So you can't really say it's not a horror game just because, oh, it's a side-scroller action type game. This was how they had to do horror back then. You, you can't say Castlevania is not a horror game without saying like movies like Dracula or The Wolfman is not a horror movie. But just because it's not horror movie. Yeah, just because it's not scary to us now doesn't mean Still that not it's horror. not that it's not horror. Horror back in back in the 80s for video games uh, was more of a thematic thing. So this is very much a, a horror game. But yes, Castlevania, great game. Anybody, I, I really don't know many people that's never played it, and I've heard nothing but positive reviews. Oh, Tony. Tony's never played a Castlevania game. Oh, Tony, Not we're going to be playing one. some Castlevania. Hey, they just announced <laughs> they, they got the, the Castlevania Game Boy Advance collection coming to Switch. <sighs> it's out now, actually. Uh, yeah. You guys are yeah. going to make me blow way too much money. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah. Original Castlevania, I mean, I love all the Castlevania games, but you can't go wrong with the original. I mean, it was basically the horror game for the regular Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Dracula himself, the Grim Reaper. Is the first boss in it? Well, no, the, giant first, bat. the first one's bat. You think yeah. you're facing, because when you Dracula, first, you think you're facing think. Dracula <laughs> because he... The bat. Yeah. I, every time I still. Oh yeah. So occasionally, when I'm playing on the Switch, I'll occasionally go to my Castlevania collection and I'll play it, and I still have a great fucking time playing it. First game that I played and beat when I got my NES Mini was Castlevania. Fucking yeah. amazing game. I love it. Yes, very game. Hard. Oh yeah. Very hard, especially the third one, Dracula's Curse. Hard as hell. And the second one's cryptic as fuck. Yes, but if you get over the cryptic part, because that is one of those games as a kid I could not beat, but after learning a few things, I went back and played it. After you get past the cryptic parts, it's not that hard. It's a game that has a lot of flaws. Listen to the music of the game. Mm. It's classic music. Bloody Tears. Bloody Tears. Classic music. But that is the number one for me. Tony, it's on you, man. 
my number one, which is shocking to probably no one, is Resident Evil 8. <laughs> That's a great fucking game! It's a phenomenal game. Tony, tell I the people how on. many times you played Resident Evil 8 since it came out. How many hours? <laughs> no, how many times he beat it. I have beaten the game 11 times within the f within the week that it was released. I beat the game 11 times. Did you even sleep? No. Yes. Uh, by the time our boy here, Brandon, played it once, I had already beaten it eight times. Yeah. So when it came to walking him through, if he needed it, I was fucking locked and loaded. Yeah, he sat there and I watched me play through the whole thing, though. And I kept my mouth shut for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. For the most part. There, there were a few things I had to, had to open up on, and occasionally I'd slip and say something, and he didn't catch most of them. So yeah. that was so good. That's interesting, though. In each of our top threes, there's a Resident Evil game in there. Well, you talk about horror in video games. Not mentioning Resident Evil in some way is almost impossible. It's a sin. Sacri sacrilegious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil is just the quintessential survival horror video game. So. Yep. It's also and what I started the 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 zombie craze of the 2000s. Was Resident Evil got so popular? Oh, absolutely. I really liked their inclusion of lichens yeah. and all that fun stuff. Did not so stereotypical zombie. They were still pretty stereotypical, but they were more lichen zombies than just regular, normal, run-of-the-mill zombies. So that was refreshing. And then also, the snowy atmosphere. Oh, Not yeah. Not a whole lot of horror games actually go for that and pull it off. Yeah. And while it, it is arguable that most of the game doesn't take place outside, the fact that you know outside is snowy is pretty cool. good. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. But yeah, between the atmosphere, the storytelling, the visuals of the game were fantastic. Most of it was pretty photorealistic. The water was nice. It didn't look silly. The aspect of hunting was cool. Yeah. Ish. Ish. <laughs> I liked it. Wasn't bad. It was pretty good. It wasn't bad. The overall feel and the flow of the game was spectacular mm -hmm. until you get to Heisenberg's Foundry. Yeah. <laughs> then it all goes out the window. <laughs> As the, far the pacing, as, the as pacing as the absolutely falls on his face there. Oh yeah, but the story picks up, so that's that's a good trade-off, if yeah. nothing else. I I don't fault it. I wish that part didn't exist, but I digress. <laughs> I didn't mind um, the foundry too much. I minded the fuck out of the foundry. <laughs> I fucking hate the foundry, even now. I've beaten the game too many fucking times and I still get lost. <laughs> the Foundry suffers too greatly from the Z's effect. Okay, near the end of the Foundry, the I started to hate it, though, yeah. Yeah, I felt that way almost instantly. Like, the yeah. second floor that I traversed, I was like, oh, this shit again. <laughs> when the lights start going off in the Foundry, I wasn't having fun. You're Team 8, I'm Team 4. Let's fight about our merchants and which one's better. 4. Oh, I thought you loved the Duke. The Duke skin level isn't all that phenomenal. He's cool. He's also super fucking annoying. <laughs> I and thought not... you loved it. Yeah, because of all the stuff I know about him. But yeah. skin level, like I was saying, he's not all that phenomenal. Yeah. And all the stuff that I do, do know about him is all speculation. Yeah. All the things I do know about Resident Evil 4 Merchant is 
what he is. I don't need to and know anything about the RE4 merchant except for, what are you buying? Well, yeah, because that's about as like complex as he gets. <laughs> what are you selling? But the Duke, he's like that, but his personality is not quite as there. He's not quite as imposing of a presence as, like only in comparing between four and eight, Duke falls short in my opinion. But wide. I, yeah, short but wide. <laughs> Oblonged, if you will. <laughs> he's a he's a big man. <laughs> he is he is actually very tall, though. Yes, he is. Like proportionally, he's an exceptionally tall giant man. No joke. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, eight has Domitresk, so I mean, it just I, wins. I was about to get into that. Resident Evil Eight has Lady D, and um, all I gotta say is nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about all I have to say without geeking out for the rest of the night on Resident Evil 8, so I'm going to pass it over to Brandon for his number one. Oh, okay. My number one. I love I love this game too much. I love this game too much. This game haunts me in my sleep in, in the best ways possible. It's one of those games, once you play it, your mind is just stuck there for a while, and that's all you think about for a bit. That's the effect this game had on me. And that's Bloodborne. <laughs> I love me some Bloodborne, and I am I'm willing to fight anyone who wants to say Bloodborne's not a horror game. It's a horror game similarly in the sense to Castlevania, where yeah. sure there's some action in there, a lot of action, really. And it's it's Dark Souls, but a little different, sure. But thematically the game is a full horror game game it can get pretty fucking creepy and scary at a lot of times too some things and you see in bloodborne are downright terrifying it's gothic atmosphere mixed with some hp lovecraft themes all together there's not anything that i hate about bloodborne that you're not supposed to hate about bloodborne there's things in bloodborne's designed to make you hate it of course but i love that they put things in there for you to hate i think yes. if that makes sense no, it absolutely does. Like yeah. How movies have people cast specifically so you have someone to hate. Yeah. Like Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> or like Skylar in Breaking Bad. Bloodborne, gameplay-wise, I love it. I'm a, I'm a Dark Souls fan as well. Same. Hard as fuck game. It's hard as fuck, but it's so rewarding to, to beat it. It's so rewarding to, to overcome the challenges that come your way in Bloodborne. And of course in Dark Souls too. I would actually say I like Bloodborne more than Dark Souls. It's not by a lot. Heretic. Don't, don't get mad at me, Tony. <laughs> Heretic. Bloodborne is just, it is atmospherically creepy as fuck and a rewarding game to play. And the, the music and the characters and the atmosphere and the environment, all of that just sticks with you for a long fucking time after the game is done. I don't know exactly what all to say about this fucking game. It's just good. Other than you're a big fan. I am a huge fan of Bloodborne. He absolutely is. Yeah, Bloodborne. Bloodborne's not just my favorite horror game. It's probably contender for my favorite video game of all time. Period. Period. Yeah. I have trouble uh, putting anything at that spot personally, but... Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that don't. Is there more you wanted to add on Bloodborne, or shall we move on to honorable mentions? You hunt werewolves through most of the game, and that's just a cool fucking thing. 
hunting werewolves. Who want, who who would not want to be the badass that ha- who their job is go in the city and hunt some werewolves? That'd be fun. One thing yeah. I will add about Bloodborne, I guess I'm just not good at those type of games, but no, you get good. That's the whole point. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I tried playing Bloodborne, but he got stuck on Cleric Beast, and a lot of people do. Yeah, and I spent hours and hours. Trying to fucking beat it. And a I lot didn't. of people do. So I basically just threw in the towel like a bitch. Well, what so, you do... And it's the same thing with Dark Souls. First boss. Nope. Couldn't <laughs> the, do it. The, ma- the magic about Dark Souls and Bloodborne is you need to learn to throw in the towel early and come back to it later. <laughs> yeah. Because usually beating your head against the wall is what makes you hate the game. I'm not ready so. for that ass whipping again. You'll, you'll play it eventually again. I know. I won't have no choice but to. Because <laughs> I already know where you're going with this. Brandon and I can be your cheerleaders, man. We can we can give you tips. You, I may look, not have played Bloodborne. He got, he got really close on Cleric Beast to beating it. That's what oh, raged me over I'm the sure. top. Yeah. After hours of doing this, I was literally one or two hits away. And he died. And I basically just... I, my face was fucking red. I was... Pissed. That's the quintessential Dark Souls experience. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, was like, fuck. How, I however, I can't do this right now, and I just walked off. If you played it, it again one more time and beat him, then you don't know right now. I feel so happy. Like being be, being on the side of the fence you are right now with like you never did get to beat the cleric beast. You don't know the uh, the what that victory would have felt like because I can tell you right now it's amazing. <laughs> The gratification, yes. the relief. The thing and then that the I fear is after realizing it gets harder from here. Yeah, I was saying, <laughs> that's, the, that's my biggest fear. After I beat the Cleric Beast, it's like, oh, it only gets worse. Well, I would say the Cleric Beast is not the uh, the easiest bo- boss fight in the game. No. It's not, not the easiest? No. Okay, there's easier no. bosses. There are. Uh, the, the the next boss that you would fight would have been Gascoigne. And oh. uh, he, I, I say he's easier than the Cleric Beast. Oh, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. So that, I made it like three or four bosses. It's just that game just yeah. throws off the kitty gloves. Boom, right then. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, yeah. like, by the time because you get to the, gas coin, you're, you're just better at the game in general. Because getting to the Cleric Beast part, it wasn't that bad at all. I mean, all the normal enemies and stuff, I was able to take care of them, like, no problem. Yeah. Hardest games I've ever played in my life. It, and it's so you're satisfying. Preaching. I've, You're preaching to the I know millions of people have said this too, but Jesus I, Christ. I love the challenge. I relish in it. And I'm not a terrible yeah. gamer either. That's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's well, like, you play old school NES games that most people give up on in a few tries. So yeah. that's why I think you could beat Bloodborne. <sighs> yeah. I'm not... Uh, <laughs> part of me is, because I'm a glutton for punishment, but yeah. we'll see. We'll, we'll get you there. Well, I know. We'll get you I, there. I won't have a choice. <laughs> you're going to literally have a freaking Bloodborne stream, and you're just going to hand me your controller and just take me to the chair. And you're going to like it, Sonny. But if we wanted to stroll down uh, the lane of difficult games, I have a list of difficult games. <laughs> and not all of them are just unfair. Some of them are just genuinely really fucking hard. Well, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't say Bloodborne is like unfair. No, definitely not. But I also wouldn't say the Ghost Runner is unfair either. One of my favorite games ever made of all time. I obsess over this game. Uh, you guys were surprised that Alien Isolation was number three pick. 
and not number I, one. I, say, I thought it'd be two um, or one. Yeah, that's because Bloodborne's on this list. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, we should have tightened up the rules so it couldn't have been. <laughs> no, I, I, it's it's a full-on horror game, 100%. I'm, I, I mean, it'd be the feel. same way. Yeah. If, that, if we were to tighten up the rules, I wouldn't have been able to put Castlevania at number one. Yeah, so... Yep. The rules are tight enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll briefly go into some honorable mentions for movies and games here. Friday the 13th. The movies. <laughs> the movies. Part. Yeah. <laughs> All of them. Jesus Christ, that was, it was an agonizing thing for me to do this because I couldn't just pick one <laughs> without trying to pick other ones and I would have just, just agonized over this exercise. So no. But Friday the 13th series, I fucking love it. I can't wait to cover it more. Tony? I don't have many for movies. Uh, in fact, I'm not even going to touch down on that. Uh, mine's games. Uh, Amnesia. The Dark Descent was uh, oh, a phenomenal yeah. start getting back like into horror seriously for me. And mm -hmm. I went ahead and I played it. Yeah, terrifying before you understand what's going on. Uh, <laughs> after you understand what's going on, not terrifying in the slightest. And for terrible honorable mentions, any of the sequels. <laughs> really? For I, Amnesia. I I heard the newest one was pretty good. It was actually terrible. Oh, okay. It was <laughs> it was ter it was not actually terrifying in any way, shape, or form. It was a walking simulator, and it was buggy. It was buggy as fuck. There wasn't any like interesting puzzles. All the puzzles were brain dead easy, and they weren't hard to figure out or even interesting. Mm -hmm. But I mean, The Dark Descent was such a heavy hitter that they couldn't have possibly hope to challenge that or even better it yeah. without you know and instead of building on the same character it's a new character for each sequel and that just I don't feel like that works that's all I got for now so uh, how about yours Brandon for my honorable mentions I had a hard time not including this on the list and that's both the original Halloween and Candyman from 1992 mm -hmm. I adore both of those movies greatly. Halloween is, it's Halloween, man. Uh, I was surprised you didn't put Candyman on there too. Yeah, Candyman was close yeah. to being on there. If it wasn't gonna be Night of the Living Dead, it would have been Candyman. But I, I, considering my background with Night of the Living Dead, I had to have that on there. But Candyman, love, love, love the 92 Candyman. Halloween, original one. I, I adore that movie as well. Michael Myers being Michael Myers. Classic slasher. And it's the start of the, of popularizing the slasher as a subgenre. You know, there was slashes before that. Black Christmas. Psycho. Psycho was like the origin. Dude, and basically the first slasher. Uh, Peeping Tom would be the first slasher, then Psycho, then Black Christmas. But Halloween was the first, like, oh, slasher's gonna be a thing. You know, it pained me not to include those in some way. For video games, the DLC for Outlast, Whistleblower? Yeah. But not Outlast. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I can see that. Base Outlast, I did not enjoy. Outlast 2, I did not enjoy. But for some reason, the DLC story to Outlast 1, Whistleblower, I love the hell out of that. And I will say for one more movie, honorable mention for me, the Scream series. Scream, yes. Scream. I love me some Scream. John Carpenter's The Thing. That was another movie that hurt me not to add in this. And this that's one movie, Tony, you've never seen The Thing, have you? No. I cannot wait for you to see The Thing. I can't wait. 
I don't think you're gonna let me down on this one. I, I think the thing is gonna be your speed. It's about paranoia, isolation, all this shit that, you know, thematic things that you can appreciate in a movie. It's really good. The thing is great. Paranormal activity. Oh yeah. Those are good movies. Well, the pterodactyl. It's the pterodactyl. Uh, some of those are good movies. Uh, four, not so much. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, a lot, so a lot of people don't like the whole jump scare stuff. I mean, I get it, but well, I, I was in, does I, a good job of building its atmosphere. But yeah, I've watched all the paranormal activities. They're good. I, I enjoy them somewhat. I mean, yeah, they got their faults, but it's a guilty pleasure. Well, I, I guess. think I think number four is like boring as hell. Four is not good. Yeah. Ghost Dimensions, or not the Ghost Dimensions, pretty terrible too. No, I'm talking about the one, the uh, the marked ones. Yes, the marked is ones really is good. fucking good. Mark ones is really good. I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more if it wasn't overhyped in their advertisements. <laughs> where all they, the people where were they showed the theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come on, this is the who are you kidding? Movie in the world. Uh, it they, shows all the scared people in the theater. They were kidding a lot of people because that fucking works. <laughs> yeah. They made a shitload of money off that movie. Yeah. It was a very effective ad campaign, but it probably won't work anymore. Oh, no. The movie originally just like a YouTube thing. A YouTube thing. But the, the budget it was a student the, project. It was like yeah. only the budget was like, what, like $10,000 or something. an extremely profitable movie. They <laughs> made back what they spent on it in space. Bades. Well, I think that wraps up our honorable mentions. That's a good first episode. Got got you guys to know us a little bit better. Know more of what's to come from each of us. Tony's the gamer. Uh, yep. J Justin's the, the movie lover. And I'm somewhere in between. That's going to be it from us this week on Radio Fear Macabre. We're going to wrap things up here. Elvira's on Shutter right now, and I want to catch that. We're going to see you guys next week where we're going to talk about Midnight Mass, Creep Show Season 3, and the Elvira 40th Anniversary Special. Until then, Klaatu Verata Nikto. See y'all later, everybody. Say bye, Tony. Goodbye, Tony. <laughs>